It's Tuned to Yesterday, showcasing programs from radio's golden era. Welcome, I'm your host, Mark Livonier. In this hour of westerns, later on, John Daner is paladin and have gun will travel. Right now, Jimmy Stewart is the six-shooter in a broadcast from November 22, 1953 on NBC. James Stewart as the six-shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl, its handle unmarked. People call him both the sick shooter. James Stewart as the sick shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponsett the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. Well, at first I didn't know what I was getting into. The town of Virtue City had never looked like this before. Banner over the main street, posters stuck in the store windows, bunting draped across most of the buildings. Uh-huh. It was the wrong time of year for the county fair. Uh-huh. I pulled up the mansion hotel and headed into the lobby. Yes, sir? I'd like a room for the night. Well, I guess we can fix you up, mister, if you'll just sign the book. Sure. Oh, by golly, I'm Never mind, never mind. I'll blot it up. You just stand back out of the way. I put a new point in that pen this morning, but I guess some people, well... I I sure am sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that'll be 50 cents in advance, mister... uh, Ponsett? That's right. That's right. Here you go. You're really a Brit... Ponsett? Well, if he ain't, he's sure been fooling a lot of folks for quite a spell. <laughs> How are you, Bridget? Well, Doc Cross, uh, where'd you come from? I've been sitting there behind that geranium plant. <laughs> I thought I recognized you when you come in. Oh, I'll be darned. Well, uh, here's your key, Mr. Ponsett, number 12. Oh, thanks. Yeah, about that ink blot, I know it wasn't your fault. They they just don't make pen points the way they used to. Uh, inferior workmanship. Sure, sure. Uh, you in a hurry to go upstairs, Britt? No, not especially. Well, come on over to the window and sit for a spell. We can sort of keep our eye on the street and see what's going on. All right, Doc. <laughs> well, what have you been up to, Bridge? Oh, same as usual. I was riding herd over to Smoke Falls for the last six, seven weeks. Probably go back there in the spring. Uh-huh. Here, uh, just let me get my instrument bag out of the way. Yeah, yeah. there's a place for you. Ah, you treated somebody in the hotel? No, no, not exactly. I... I sort of make my headquarters here in the hotel nowadays. Hmm. Well, what happened to your regular office? Oh, I still got it. I still got it. But, uh, well, you know, a hotel's handier. What with all this fighting and shooting going on so much of the time. Shooting? You ain't heard the news, huh, Britt? No, I guess I haven't. Well, you see, uh, Gus Cotton moved into Virtue City a couple of months ago. Gus Cotton? You know who Gus is, Britt. That gunfighter used to be part of the McGinnis gang over at Willowford. Oh, sure, yeah. I've heard of him. Well, it seems Gus and Tracer McGinnis had sort of a falling out. Gus decided it'd be healthier for him and his kid brother Roy to change residence, so they come over here. And by now, they've just about taken over the whole town. Hmm. Oh, I just can't believe that Sheriff Davenport would let a thing like that happen, Doc. And George Davenport was killed last August, Britt. He was killed? No. I reckon it was an accident. At least that's what the inquest said. Uh Well, who's taking his place? There ain't been nobody so far. New sheriff will be elected tomorrow, along with the mayor and the usual town officers. Oh, I see. So that's why the place all fixed up, huh? Election day, huh? I was kind of wondering about that. Yeah, yeah. It's been a real hot campaign, too. Sheriff part of it, that is. I ain't had so much medical business since the Apaches was moved on to the reservation. Yeah, well, who's running? Ernie Needle. He's one of the candidates. You remember Ernie Brett, the blacksmith? Oh, sure, sure. And there's a good man, too. He'd make a good sheriff, I imagine. Yeah, if he wins. Roy Cotton's running against him. Gus's brother. 
Oh, I see. Yeah. Mm. Of course, in a fair election, Ernie would win hands down, but Gus Cotton's doing his best to see that it won't be fair. Yes, huh? Yeah. Half the voters in town have been bought off. The ones who won't be bought, well, they've been threatened. Why, if anybody even... Britt, maybe you can give us a hand. Huh? I, uh... I'm, uh, well, I'm sort of uh, chairman of the group that's back in Ernie Needle, the Citizens Committee to Keep Virtue in Virtue City. <laughs> that's what we call ourselves. I see. Now, Britt, if you could join up with us... Now, it... now, hold on, Doc. Now, I'm, I'm not a voter in this town. I'm not even a resident. I know, I know, but you've got influence. Lots of influence. And if, if, if you... No, oh, well, Doc, now, I, well, I... Well, you have lots of influence, Britt. And, and look... If you was to come to our rally at the schoolhouse tonight and uh, sort of sit up there on the platform next to Ernie Needle, well, that might win him some of Roy Cotton's votes. Now, I'm sorry, Doc. Now, this just isn't any of my business. Now, you know that as well as I do. Now, Britt... No, so long, Doc. Well, I went upstairs to my room... Number 12 was on the north side facing Ernie Needle's blacksmith shop. And it looks like Ernie had closed up for the day. He's probably out politicking somewhere. The room seemed kind of stuffy, so I opened up the window. It sure was warm. Yeah. Yeah. Sounded like some more business was heading Doc's way. I leaned out, but I couldn't see anything. The shooting must have been around in front. Well, yeah. Yeah, come on in. Howdy. Ah, howdy. You're Brett Ponson. That's right. I'm Roy Cotton. Oh? Uh-huh. Understand you were having a little chat with Doc Cross just now. Uh-huh. Doc, a friend of yours? Yeah, I guess you could say so, Roy. Well, you know, it's funny, ain't it, how friends sometimes get a man into trouble? Oh, that's so. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you plan to stay around town for long, Ponce? Oh, I hadn't made up my mind yet. Why? I was just wondering if you were going to be here for the election tomorrow. You heard about the election. I heard about it. Well, uh, I wasn't anxious to run for sheriff, you understand, but... Well, folks seemed to think it was my duty, so, uh, so I had to oblige Well, I wouldn't worry about it, Roy. You might not be elected. I'll be elected. Why, do you got the votes counted already, huh? I'll be elected. If there ain't no outside interference. I see. So maybe it'd be best if you just moseyed on out without sticking around for the vote. Well, the doc mentioned something about a rally tonight, asked me to attend. Uh, you're not going to attend to no rally, Ponsett. That's exactly what I told the doc. You, you... You turned him down? That's right. Well, I guess I needn't have bothered you. But now that you mention it, Cotton, I'm uh, sort of reconsidering my decision. Uh, what, what do you mean? Well, you're barging in here and ordering me around might... And make me sort of consider changing my mind. Oh, now, you listen here, Ponsett. You ain't going to that rally tonight. You ain't even going to be in Virtue City after sundown. I'm not, huh? Well, if, if you are, you're just asking for me and Gus to do something about it. Maybe I am, Cotton. Maybe I am. Hmm? Okay, Ponsett. You had your warning. Hey, Roy. Yeah? I'm not leaving town, so if you want to do something about it, this is as good a time as any other. Huh? That gun you're wearing's loaded, isn't it? Well, uh, well, sure, but... Well, then why don't you go ahead and draw? Well, you, you, you ain't got your six-shooter. It's right here on the dresser. Yeah. All right. I'd be taking advantage. It might not work out that way. Well? Well, uh, I don't want to shoot up no no hotel room, Ponce. The rent's paid in advance. All right, Cotton. Now, 
Now, now look here, Ponson. My, my coming up here to see you, well, well, it was my brother's idea. Gus thought, he thought, well, well, he, well, he, oh, what a, now, what I mean is, he said that, that you was to have till sundown to get out of town, and, and he wouldn't like it if I was to, if I was to jump the gun. Well, I guess nobody exactly welcomes the idea of being told what he can do and what he can't do. And I suppose when it comes right down to it, I'm as stubborn as the next man. So, instead of leaving town, I had supper in the hotel dining room. And afterwards, well, I sort of moseyed over in the direction of the schoolhouse. There were only three or four horses out in front and a couple of buggies. Uh, didn't look like the Citizens Committee to keep virtue in Virtue City had drawn much of a crowd. Uh, well, I hadn't really planned on attending the rally. I was going to walk right by and head back to the hotel. But just as I started to move past the school, I spotted Roy Cotton waiting behind a big elm tree across the street. There was another fellow with him, bigger, older. Stood to reason he was Roy's brother, Gus. And it stood to reason that if I left without going inside, they'd figure they'd bluffed me into keeping away. So, the meeting was in the combination fourth, fifth, sixth grade classroom, and Doc Cross was introducing the various candidates when I opened the door. And as candidate for mayor, our good friend Cecil Park. Spitzer, who's running for coroner. And last but far from least, the man who will be responsible for maintaining law and order, Ernie Needle, candidate Now, folks, I guess that's about all, so we'll let you... Wait a minute. Looks like we got us a visitor. Hey, Sherry, step right up here, Britt. Step right up here. Now, wait a minute, Doc. I didn't mean to interrupt your meeting here. I was just strolling by. Why, you ain't interrupting, Bridge. You're a godsend. <laughs> folks, folks, listen to me now. Now, quiet down. Quiet down, will you? Now, listen. Mr. Ponsett's arrival here puts a whole new complexion on things. Why? Well, I sure don't see how I it know there that. ain't very many of us here tonight. And from the size of this meeting, it looks like we're fighting a hopeless battle. But we ain't. Not now. Not anymore. There's enough of us here to spread the word. We gotta see to it that by the time the polls open tomorrow, every Bolton citizen in Virtue City knows that the six shooter is on our side. Now, hold on. Now, hold on, Amos. You take the folks who live west of Cedar Street. Al, you take the section over by the creek. I'll cover the area along Clinton Avenue. And another thing. You tell everybody that Britt will be right there at the polls to see that the voting's done on the up and up. Now, Doc. Now, Doc. Now, you listen to me, Doc. Now, now see here, Doc. I... Now, now, you just see here, Doc. Was there something you wanted to say, Britt? Well, Doc, you know doggone well there's something I want to say. I'm not going to have folks running all over town claiming that I'm interfering in this election. Now, you just go and call them off, Doc, and you just stop them before it's too late. Well, I'm afraid it's too late now, Britt. It looks to me like they're on the way. Hmm? And I better get started myself. I'm going to make it over to my section before everybody's asleep. Okay, Doc, okay. You just go right ahead, but you're going to be pretty foolish looking in the morning. What? What do you mean, Britt? I mean that I'm not taking part in your election tomorrow, no matter what you tell people. You won't do your duty, huh? My duty? My duty is to mind my own business. Britt? Britt, the law says... The law says there's supposed to be one man at the polls who's unbiased, who's neutral, so to speak. What? Well, of course, your sympathies may sort of lie with Ernie Needle and our committee, but technically, you're nonpartisan. Seems how you can't even vote yourself, I mean. How's that? Now, look, Britt. All that I'm trying to do is to see that this election's carried off strictly according to the law. The law says we got to have us a nonpartisan president at the polls. Well, I, I'm not even certain that the election would be legal 
if, if, you, if you wasn't ashore. Well, I wouldn't want to stand in the way of the election being late. I mean, if you're certain that... I, uh, well, if, if it's really necessary. But honestly, Doc, I just can't believe that... Well, it's up to you, Britt. Entirely up to you. Well, so long. Now... Now, now, Doc. Oh, uh, uh, wait, booth will wait a minute. Be set up in the hotel lobby, Brett. Uh, polls open at 7 a.m. Just uh, let your conscience be your guide, Brett. Let your conscience be your guide. Night. Hey. Hey. Yeah, good night. We'll return to James Stewart as the sick shooter in just a moment. Now, you there, boy. Set up, look spry, step lively. This your great-grandpa and then son. I've been called Johnny Reb, and I've been called Billy Yank. I'm a soldier. Civil War. What do you want to know about soldiering? Religion? Well, it was mighty important to us. Every outfit had its chaplain who not only preached to us soldiers, but would also hand out books, magazines, and writing paper. Serve coffee from his coffee wagon, write letters for soldiers who didn't know how to write, teach classes in reading and writing, and when the battle lines was formed, would go right into the thick of it with their outfits, blessing the men and comforting the wounded. And rain or shine, they'd be out there every Sunday, holding services, sometimes right out in the open or under some trees, or in a tent, or in the trenches, just wherever they could. I guess they wasn't much different from the chaplain Juga. And I guess that's what's so comforting about chaplains. Now, you, boy, you and I know they'll always be the same. Always be around when you need them. For which we can all thank our lucky stars and stripes. Believe you me, son, it takes more than just men and guns and generals to make an army. It takes having a man of God around, passing out the word of God, and directing you in the way of the Lord. It takes a chaplain's corps to which I'm sure you will add your soldiers. Amen. Well, I just couldn't seem to get to sleep that night, and long about 5 a.m., I gave up trying. And it was just as well it did, because that was when Doc Cross showed up to take me down to breakfast. He kept saying that he wasn't trying to influence me one way or the other about being an election official, but as soon as we finished eating, he sure steered me straight toward that voting booth in the lobby. And the next thing I knew, somebody handed me a sheet of paper with a list of names on it, and people started filing up to get their ballots, and, well, the voting went off real smooth. There was just one shooting, and that turned out to be just a flesh wound. And when it finally came time to shut down the polls, just about everybody who was eligible had cast a ballot. There'd been a real good turnout, too. I didn't stick around for the counting. I figured I'd done my share, so I had some supper, and I went upstairs to the room. Oh, I sure was tired. Oh not having any sleep the night before and having to sit around indoors all day. Well, I... I took my boots off. And... And I sort of stretched out flat on the bed for a couple minutes. I, I didn't intend to doze off. I was just trying to build up enough strength to go on with my undressing, but I, I don't know. Huh? Not the same hell is it? Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, is that you, Doc? Come in. Oh. Oh, what can I do for you? We just... Just finished counting the votes, Jeff Perkins and me. Evening, Mr. Ponsett. Oh, howdy, Jeff. Well, hey, well, well, how'd the election turn out? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to say, Britt. 
Well, now, come on, Doc. Uh, just did Ernie win or didn't he? Uh... Well, no, Britt, no, he, he, he didn't win. Oh. oh. But it could have been worse. It, it, it could have been lots worse. I see. It was close, huh? Oh, I wouldn't exactly call it close, Mr. Ponsett. Uh-huh. Well, suppose you just give me the figures, huh, Doc? <coughs> well, in the race for sheriff, we figured that was the most important contest. Yeah? Uh, Ernie Needle got uh, seven votes. Seven votes, huh? Is that all? Yeah, yeah, that was his total. We made certain. And Roy Coffin, he got 33. 33. <laughs> well, I, I'm sorry, Doc, but I guess if the people want Roy for their sheriff, they're entitled to have him. Uh, yes, yes, I, I'd say folks are entitled to whoever they want. Mm, well, I have to admit, I'm kind of surprised, though. I thought Ernie'd do better than that. By the way, folks were voting. I I just thought that he... I hear now, here, now, just hold on a minute here, Doc. Uh, there's something funny here. Huh? Now, now, you said Ernie got seven and Roy Coffin 33. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's 33 and seven. That only makes 40 votes. Why, there must have been twice that many votes cast. 101, you know. 101. Well, that means there are about 60 ballots you haven't accounted for. 61, to be exact, Britt. Yeah? That's how many you got. That's how many I got. That's... Uh, that's how many who got? Bridge, it gives me great pleasure to announce that you've just been elected sheriff of Virtue City by a landslide. Congratulations. Now, hold on here, Doc. What do you Mr. mean? Mr. Ponsett, been... uh, hmm? it's the greatest write-in campaign in the history of this here town. Yes, sir, Bridge. <laughs> what? Uh, well, I can't believe this couldn't be true. It's just plain foolishness. The people have spoken. Doc Cross, if you had something to do it with this... It was a spontaneous movement. Purely spontaneous. Well, whatever it is, you, you know doggone well I won't take the job of sheriff. I don't even live here. Now, we just checked the Virtue City Incorporation papers. It must have been an oversight, but... They don't say a word about town officials having to be residents. Well, if you've got the idea I'm accepting this office, you're just mistaken. Even if this election is legal. Oh, it's... it was legal, all right. It was legal. And as of right now, you are the legally elected sheriff. Uh-huh. All right. Then I resign. Well, I sort of thought you might feel that way, so I did a little more checking. And according to the town laws, you've got to submit your resignation in writing to the mayor, and he's got to approve it. But we don't have a new mayor yet. Not until you get sworn in. Now, hold on a minute, Doc. I, it was the office of sheriff that I got elected to, remember? That's you told right, me. Mr. Ponsett. It uh, seems the voters kind of got in the habit of writing in your name and well, all they... You don't mean they elect me mayor, too? You had a two-to-one majority. You don't mean... What? Yep. You, yep. you didn't do so good for coroner, though. Boke's fights are beat you out by four votes. But don't feel too bad about it, Britt. Boke's a real popular man. Hmm. Well, I just don't know what to say. Well, this is the most outlandish thing I've ever heard of. Geez, am I unusual? I'll agree with you there. Unusual? It's ridiculous. It's Well, I can tell you I've got no more intention of being mayor than I have of being sheriff. I don't blame you, Bruce. Bruce I, I don't blame you. About the mayor part, that is. As a matter of fact, you couldn't hold both jobs if you wanted to. There's a town ordinance against it. I don't care if the... What'd you say? Yes, sir. One man can't hold both jobs. Uh, well, that's something. But like I said, your resigning the sheriff's position is kind of complicated, you see. Not only have we got the problem of who's going to accept the resignation... I'm the mayor. I'll accept it myself. Well, even so, according to our statutes, when the sheriff resigns or retires, a job goes to the man who got the second highest number of votes. Oh. Oh, you mean Roy Coffin would take over my place? That's the gist of it, Mr. Ponsett. Uh-huh. So you see the spot you'd be putting us in, Britt. Uh, besides, Mr. Ponson, the people elected you, and they're entitled to have you. You said so yourself. I, when I said that, I didn't have any idea that this... Oh, now, look here. There's got to be some way out of this situation. Ernie Needle's the man this town needs for sheriff, and he ought to have the job. Isn't that what you wanted? Well, maybe so, maybe so, but... Well, I, I just don't see how we can work it out so he gets it. It's... It, it, Oh, well, it's getting late. I guess you'll need your sleep. Probably have a big day tomorrow, what with all the swearing-in ceremonies. Now, don't run off, Doc. Now, we... This isn't settled yet. Oh, like as not, things will settle themselves. They usually do. Good night, but, Mr. Ponsett. But, but, night. But, oh, 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 by the way, Britt, uh, I'll just uh, leave your star here on the dresser. There's a little rust on the point where the platen's wore off, but good polishing will take care of it. Uh -huh. 
Well, that was the second night in a row I didn't get much sleep. First thing in the morning, as soon as I figured it was time for the town hall to open, I headed down there and I did a little hunting through the legal code myself. And it was all true what Doc Cross told me. If I gave up the job of sheriff, Roy Cotton would be next in line for it. So, well, about 9 o'clock, a delegation headed by Doc Cross came in to make the preparations for the swearing-in ceremony. And I, I told them that the ceremonies just have to be postponed until I had a talk with the Cotton brothers. They were living in the old Peterson place on Flower Street. You've got your nerve coming around here, Ponsett. If you figure on making a name for yourself as sheriff by arresting us, you better do some more figuring. Arresting you? You mean you boys have done something illegal? No, he, he never said that. Well, well, putting you under arrest was the farthest thing from my mind. Of course, if you think I should. And just what is it you do want, Ponsett? Well, the fact of the matter is, it's my understanding that Roy here would inherit the sheriff's job if, if anything happened that I wasn't able to go on. That's right, Ponsett. And like as not, something will happen, too. Uh-huh. Well, I was just thinking that under those circumstances, it might be a good idea for Roy to get all the experience he can while I'm around to show him the ropes. Uh, you, you, you want me to w work with you? Well, I don't see why not. Come to think of it, I could use you both as deputies. Deputies? Yeah. Yeah, that'll save me getting the whole big posse together. I think the three of us ought to be able to handle the McGinnis gang. McGinnis? Tracer McGinnis. You heard about him, haven't you? Oh! Oh, oh, that's right. You you all used to be sort of friendly, didn't you? Before you had that falling out with him, that is. Uh, Gus? Uh, you, you don't mean Tracer McGinnis is heading this way. Oh, it's uh, probably just another false rumor. But probably not a word of truth to us. Yeah, but well, why, why'd he be coming in here, Gus? Unless he's after us again. Yeah. Well, now, if you fellows would just hold up your hands, I'll give you the oath. No, 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 wait a minute, Ponsett. Maybe it'd be better if you was to take out uh, uh, more of a posse. Oh, no, no, Gus. I, like as not, Tracer won't be bringing his whole gang. Maybe only 10 or 12 of them. All right, now, boys, you hold up your hands. Oh, I'll give you no, the... I ain't going to mix it up with Tracer McGinnis, Ponsett. I, I had enough of him already. But, Roy... The you... kid's right for once. Well, I'm afraid you fellows don't quite understand. Now, according to the order passed two years ago come November. If any man refuses to take part in a duly constituted posse, he forfeits all right to hold office in the town of Virtue City from that time on. That'd mean that uh, you couldn't be sheriff, Roy. Gus, uh, I don't figure that's going to make much difference, Ponsett. You see, uh, we don't aim to stay around Virtue City anyhow. Yeah, that's right. We, we were sort of planning to leave town uh, today, weren't we, Gus? Yeah, yeah, we were just doing our packing when you come in. Well, maybe we ought not to wait to pack, Gus. Them, them McGinnis boys ride fast when they're on the move. They sure do. Come on. Oh, I wouldn't hurry myself too much, boys. If you ask me, I think you'll have plenty of time to finish packing before they get here. Plenty of time. <laughs> As things worked out, they needn't have heard it all. As far as I know, Tracer McGinnis never did show up in Virtue City. Of course, Ernie Needle became sheriff that very same day, right after I resigned. And I guess he hasn't had too much trouble keeping folks in line. You see, the Cotton Brothers haven't been heard of since they beat it out of town. It just goes to show you, a person really shouldn't believe in rumors. It's funny... Funny the way they get started, isn't it? The Six Shooter is a transcribed Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is written by Frank Burt and is based on a character created by him. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International picture, The Glenn Miller Story. Others in the cast were Carlton Young, Dal McKinnon, Paul Richards, Frank Gerstle, and Junius Matthews. Special music for this program was by Basil Adlam, and the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental.
The Six Shooter, on Tuned to Yesterday, starring Jimmy Stewart from November 22, 1953 on NBC. The program failed to pick up a sponsor, leading to its short-lived run on NBC from September of 1953 through April of 1954, largely due to the budding television market at the time with advertising dollars going to the small screen. It's an hour of Radio Westerns on Tuned to Yesterday. I'm your host, Mark Livonier. And now Have Gun Will Travel, featuring John Daner in the lead from May 3rd, 1959 on CBS, a TV program turned radio show with an episode called Gun Shy. This gun is pointed right at the center of your belt. The border is behind me, mister. And you're not going to make it. Have Gun, Will Travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin. San Francisco, 1875. The Carlton Hotel, headquarters of a man called Paladin. You like Mr. Paladin? Uh, this is the finest jade chess piece I've ever seen, hey boy. Yeah. Where'd you get it? Oh, a gift from my honorable uncle, Sing Wo. Uh-huh. He ran a laundry. Where'd Sing Wo get it? Oh, from his great-grandfather, Hai Shung, who got it from his grandfather, Wong who was faithful houseboy to Celestial Emperor in Imperial Court. Now it mine. Uh, I know you like chessmen, especially knight. So would be pleased if you will accept my gift. Well, very kind of you, hey boy, but I can't accept this. It'll ruin the rest of the set. Oh, no, Mr. Paladin. A set already ruined. Day before yesterday, three men come to my uncle's laundry. Police think they are men who bust out of jail. They hit uncle on head. They steal money, clothes, chess set too. Take everything, but they see one piece. I see. I imagine your uncle would like to see those men caught. Oh, yes, sir. Very much. Very bad men. Well, you keep this, hey, boy. Let me see what I can do about getting back the rest of the set. Where's Sing Wo's laundry? On Turk Street. Oh, you can find rest of set? I don't know, hey, boy. But I'll try. Sing Wo, honorable uncle of men who had stolen clothes, money, and chess set, was a wiry little man with a seamed, ageless face who had plenty to say about the details of the matter. Unfortunately, what he had to say strained the language barrier too far, at least for me. For Hey Boy, it made sense. He listened politely to Sing Wo's every word, nodding now and then and dodging now and then, since Sing Wo happened to be holding a flat iron in one hand, and Sing Wo was a man who insisted on a gesture to emphasize his words. Then suddenly he stopped, and standing like a little Buddha, listened as Hey Boy brought me up to date. Uncle Sing Wo say what he will do if he ever catch a man. Now, did he happen to describe the men, Hey Boy? Yes, sir. Oh, plenty big, plenty ugly. Well, that's not much of a description. No, sir. It won't be easy to find them since they have a two-day's head start. No, sir. I have no idea what direction they've gone. Uncle Sing Wo know where they go. What? Oh, he understands some words in American. I hear them say hide, big pine, then go to Canada. Big pine? Yes, sir. Big pine, Montana. Yeah, that's up near the border. Sounds like a good place for them to get across. They take all money Uncle Sing Wo have in world. He work hard for everything, all by himself. It's a terrible thing for old man to have nothing now. To uh, start all over again in hard, cruel world. Let's hope he won't have to start all over again, hey boy. How much cash did they steal from him? $943. Plenty of money to Sing Wo. Plenty of money to anybody, hey boy. I'll see you in a few days. Tell Sing Wo everything will be all right. Good afternoon. 
My name is Paladin. I'm Ma Warren. You're just in time. Supper's ready. Good. So am I. You look a mite lean, Mr. Paladin. You been traveling long? Long enough. Tell me, Miss Warren, have you seen three men come through here any time during the past few days? No. Friends of yours? Oh, not exactly. If they were heading for Canada, they'd have to come through Big Pine, wouldn't they? Well, it depends on where they're coming from. The mountains. Well, then they'd have to come through here. Mr. Paladin, the food's good, room's clean, the price is right. And you're welcome. Only one rule. You hang your guns up right there. It's the custom of the house. I'm sorry, Miss Warren, but I never go anywhere without a gun. Nobody comes to my table armed. It's up to you, Mr. Paladin. Hang it up or get your supper somewhere else. What's that I smell? We're having pheasant today. Pheasant roasted in grape leaves. Miss Warren... You are an oasis in a desert of boiled beef. (laughs) (laughs) Well, is it gun or the pheasant? No, I'll take the pheasant. Good boy. Hello, Ma. Chuck, this here is Mr. Paladin, Chuck Anderson. Hmm? Passing through? Slowly. And you're staying? A while. Why? Let's say I'm visiting. He's visiting me. Hang up your gun before you go in there to eat. Sure, Mom. Who put the burr under his saddle? Oh, he always talks like that, Chuck does. Dang him. He's a stranger around here? No. Say, now, if you expect to get any food, you better get started. Around my table, all them fellas have four and five hands. What fellas? Well, aside from Chuck, there's Mr. Gibson and Mr. Fry and Mr. Dayton. Well, I've got to get out to the kitchen. Now, you go on and eat whenever you get ready. Mr. Gibson, Mr. Fry, Mr. Dayton. Just inside the door of Ma Warren's boarding house in Big Pine, there was a rack. And above the rack, a sign reading guns and hats. Since four gun belts were already hanging there along with four hats, I hung mine. Then I began to follow my nose in the direction of the dining room. I'm Nancy Warren, Ma's daughter. She told me to save a place for you, Mr. Paladin. Thanks. That food smells awfully good. (sighs) This way. Uh, uh, this is Mr. Paladin, everybody. Mr. Gibson, Mr. Fry, and Mr. Dayton. Gentlemen. How do, Mr. Paladin? Dan Dayton. How do you do? And I reckon you know Chuck Anderson. Uh, we met. Yeah, yeah, we met. Did you miss me, sweetheart? Oh, shut up, Chuck. I- I'll bring your supper right out, Mr. Paladin. Hey, where do I sit? Any place. Any place you like. Uh, Shove over, Dayton. Well, what's your line, mister? I'm a businessman of sorts. You live around here? Yeah, back up the road a piece. Got a thousand acres. Mm, Sounds promising. What's your brand? Brand? (laughs) I don't need a brand, mister. I just tell folks what's mine and they're smart enough to believe me. Here we are. I hope you enjoy it, Mr. Cullen. Nancy? Come and Ma. I thought you might like some nice hot coffee with your meal, Mr. Paladin. Oh, thank you, Nancy. Yeah. What about me? Come late, eat late. Come on, Nancy. Help me get them biscuits out of here. All right, Ma. She's got my brand. Which one? Mother or daughter? It will. <laughs> you better get one thing straight right now. In this country, we shoot rustlers and claim jumpers on sight. That must be why Ma makes everyone check their guns. Why, you... This room's just full of rustlers and claim jumpers. <laughs> <laughs> Cross fishered you in your own gulch, boy. Well, I sure like to see a man sit out on the porch and enjoy a cigar after a meal, Mr. Paladin. Oh, it was a fine meal, Miss Warren. Thanks to the folks that bring it in, like the pheasant tonight. 
Mr. Gibson gave them to me. He does a lot of hunting and trapping. Regular customer of yours, is he? Oh, yes. He's been coming here for years. And Mr. Fry, he prospects a lot. He's always bringing in a mess of trout. Mr. Dayton? Dan? Well, he's a surveying for the railroad. He... Oh, hello, Nancy, honey. Hello, Ma. Evening, Mr. Paladin. Good evening, Nancy. Are you going riding with Chuck, dear? Oh, I don't know. Haven't made up my mind. <laughs> you will, or he will, or something one of these days. Mr. Paladin, your room's all ready whenever you want to turn in. It's the first door at the head of the stairs. Thank you. Good night. Night. Night, Nancy. Night. Oh, I'm getting old, I swear. Uh, exactly what do you do? I have a, a card here that might explain. Have gun. Will travel? Shocked? No. No, I'm just thinking. Can I hire you? What for? Chuck. He thinks he owns me. He scares everybody off, but he never says anything about getting married. I'll end up an old maid. Oh, hardly. Oh, yes, I will. Chuck was away for a whole month, just got back a couple of days ago, and all the time he was gone, not one fella asked me to go riding with him. Chuck's got him all buffaloed, and he still won't do anything serious about me. You want him to? Well, well, he's got to make up his mind one way or another. What do you want me to do, shoot him? No, no, just make him nice and jealous. Oh, you want him to shoot me? Oh, no. No, but I want... What's the matter? Where'd you get that? Oh, this? Chuck gave it to me. Why? A jade chess piece. The rook, to be exact. Well, I, I didn't know what to do with it, so I put it on a chain Where'd and you I... get it? Well, he, he said he bought it from somebody. And he just got back here after being away a whole month? Yes. Put your arms around me, quick. Uh, what? Hey. Hey, what's going on around here? Well, nothing, Chuck. I've been waiting for you to go riding. Oh, well, that's too bad. Mr. Paladin's invited me to Eagle's Nest Butte to see the moon rise. Look, I don't know what you're trying to start here, mister, but you'd better haul back on your reins real quick. I told you, she's got my brand. Ready, Nancy? Anytime. I'm warning you, mister. Cut out. If you're still in Big Pine tomorrow morning, you're going to be buried here. Did you see the look on his face? He's fit to spit fire. Yeah. You're not afraid of him, are you? It's just that I don't like complications. Each weekday on CBS Radio, there's a bright package of lively entertainment that goes by the modest title, Just Entertainment. It's where to find Pat Buttram, his cohorts, and his warm humor. Mr. Buttram is ably aided by lovely Marion Morgan and that singing foursome called the Halloran Quartet. Just for entertainment, sample Just Entertainment with Pat Buttram tomorrow on CBS Radio. Also on the recommended list, a fascinating fact-filled ten minutes each weeknight with Ron Cochran. Recently, he's given the answer, please, treatment to listener queries on such topics as the Chesapeake Bay's Oyster War, the Irish Sweepstakes, Spring Fever, and Underseas Exploration of the Arctic. Be listening tomorrow night. Discover how you can ask Ron Cochran to give your question the answer, please. Just entertainment and answer, please. One for facts, one for fun. Leave your dial set where it is now to enjoy both these entertaining programs each Monday through Friday on CBS Radio. The next morning I was up early, moving through Big Pine, asking questions. The answers were the same everywhere. No one had seen three strangers riding into town in the last few days. No one knew where Chuck Anderson had gotten the jade chess piece. And no one advised asking him about it. Good morning. Morning, Miss Warren. Breakfast is ready whenever you are, Mr. Paladin. 
Trout and steak with our hot cake. Oh, don't tell me I'm the last one. Well, Mr. Gibson left more than an hour ago with Mr. Fry. You and Chuck and Mr. Dayton's the only ones left. Hang up your gun and come along. I'll be right there. I'll pour you coffee. I told you to get out of Big Pine by this morning. That's right, you did. Well, then get. Right now. Sorry. Hanging up your gun. You afraid of me? Just afraid my breakfast will get cold. And it's a house rule. Land sakes. Chuck, you put down that gun. Not till he rides out of here. Put it away, I said. Sure as my name is what it is, you'll never set foot in this house again. <laughs> Hang it up now. Now both of you go on in and eat your food before it gets cold. I'll meet you outside after breakfast. I hope so. Mr. Paladin? Hmm? Mr. Paladin, did Chuck really want to shoot you? He really did. And still does. Oh, ain't that nice? Had enough breakfast, Mr. Dayton? Yes, thanks. Have to be riding out. Gentlemen, see you later. Now that he's gone, I want to get something straight right now. Well, whatever on earth. I told you I want no impolite at my table. Just so you know what's going on. Well, what is going on? You are. There's one thing I want to know. Does this fella mean anything to you? Do you care? You know blame well I care. Nice to hear it. Well, then I want to know, does this fellow... Hush! Hush! Good morning. You're just in time for breakfast. Only you'll have to leave your gun out in the hall. I'm making the rules now, Granny. Stay put. What? What's the idea? There's nothing worth stealing here. We'll take anything we can get when we're ready. Meantime, we'll just relax a little. Waiting for somebody? You are smart, mister. How about some grub? I'm starving. Right, rustle up some breakfast, Granny. Don't wave that gun at me. Oh, never mind, Ma. Come on. Not you, Chiquita. You stay here with us, just in case your Ma figures on cooking up some trouble. Well... Go on, Granny. Strange you should pick an out-of-the-way place like this to meet someone. And again, it's only a day from the border. You're starting to get too smart now, mister. Oh... I can do better than that. Yeah, with what? With this derringer that's pointed directly at your belly. You're bluffing. Call me. Tell your friend to holster his pistol, then unbuckle his belt. Go on. All right, Rip, you do what he says. Never mind, Rip, boy. Damn, where you been? Waiting. I figured you for a derringer, Mr. Paladin. You want to ease the hammer down real easy, then hand it over? Gently, so I don't blow your head off. It's too bad I didn't figure you. He give you the chess piece, Chuck? Yeah, he give me it. Why? He and his friends beat up an old Chinaman in San Francisco. I said hand over that Derringer, Paladin. Start shooting up! What? Go! Hold it, everybody. Hold it. Hold it. This derringer can blow an awful big hole in a man. That's an old trick. Yeah, and you fell for it. Come on, get up. Thanks, Chuck. That was good thinking. Now, don't thank me, fancy pants. I just didn't want nobody else to have the pleasure of gunning you. I'm going to marry this girl, you hear? Oh, Chuck, I do, I do. Now, stop hanging on me. I've got man's business to take care of here. Got to get the guns. And then you're getting out of this town, Paladin. You hear? Every word. <laughs> Every word. Is it all there? Oh, $943. Then you can take it all back to your uncle. 
Honorable uncle will thank you for returning money on chess set. Or maybe he even give you chess set personally for payment. If he offers, tell him I accept. And tell him after this to keep his money in a bank. Oh, yes, sir. I tell him. Good. Then it's finished. Yes, sir. Mr. Paladin. What? You look fat. Fat? Fat. Well, I'll tell you, hey, boy. This was the most nutritious trip I ever took. Will Travel. Created by Herb Meadow and Sam Rolfe. Is produced and directed by Norman McDonald. And stars John Daner as Paladin. With Ben Wright as Hayboy. Tonight's story was written by Frank and Doris Hursley. And adapted for radio by John Dawson. Featured in the cast were Jeanette Nolan, Dick Crenna, Barbara Eiler, Vic Perrin, and Barney Phillips. Congratulations to our affiliate station, WDBO, Orlando, Florida, which celebrated its 35th birthday Friday, May 1st. Hugh Douglas speaking. Join us again next week for Have Gun, Will Travel. Have Gun, Will Travel, on Tuned to Yesterday from May 3rd, 1959 on CBS. And that brings to a close this hour of Westerns on Tuned to Yesterday. Be sure to be with us next time for more great programs from Radio's Golden Years. Until our next hour together, I'm Mark Levonier. It's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm.